Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Now we continue our current Open House series, Towards Belief, TV program and DVD series, tackling some of the biggest issues and biggest blockers to Christian faith in our world today. So far we've covered the credibility of the Bible, covered miracles, and also the claim of the Christian faith to be the one true faith among all the rest. Tonight, one that's going to really test the presenter of Towards Belief, Carl Fays, God and Science. If you'd like to join the conversation as well, make a point about this, ask a question. You're brave enough? <laughs> Give us a call on 1300 40 20 20. Go easy on him. Carl, welcome back. Oh, thank you, Leah. I actually remember you. distinctly saying last week not to ring <laughs> I remember that. with questions. <laughs> yes, because this is such a, such a critical and important issue, and yes. yet um, I've done some study and some reading, but this is not my area of expertise. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> How did this show up in your research? Because this is all fundamentally based on research as a blocker. That uh, an issue that people have really wrestle with. Yeah, I mean, when when this was when people were given the opportunity to say that science was a blocker, it it rated very highly in our research, and so we got a large large percentage of people. And and a, a really, this comes down to the whole issue of of what's referred to as the the, the new atheists, yes. uh, uh, and and because partly because most of them, or a, a large percentage of them, are actually from a scientific background, a la probably the most important being Richard Dawkins, and so they've. And and his whole approach is my training in science means that I can't be a Christian. Not even I've chosen like I don't it's like I have got a choice that I I shouldn't or maybe and it's 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 quite he's quite definite on that. And I think your average person uh, like me who knows about as much about science as I do and goes me, and kind of goes yeah. well that's there you go you you yeah. couldn't possibly be. And, and that's what we wanted to respond to. Are all scientists like Dawkins? Not at all. And in fact, what we've done on the program, we in, in this episode, we actually speak to four uh, very well-trained, well, three of them are exceptionally well-trained scientists. Uh, John Lennox has been teaching mathematics and then into science for 25 years. John Polkinghorn, uh, mathematics and physics, and uh, Ard Louis, who... Uh, is is teachers as a PhD and teachers in physics in Oxford and in Cambridge, and all of them are saying that they they have no problem with the idea of being a Christian and a scientist. It's no issue at all to them. Evolution seems to be a bit of a sticking point for lots of people, and for that matter, the biblical account of creation. Look, and this this is a a really tough tough space, yeah. mainly because in a lot of ways the reading that we do the way. Sorry, let me rephrase that. The way some people read Genesis by saying that this is an scientific uh, ordered account, historical account of what occurred uh, at the beginning of the world, and this is what God has given us in his word, that's actually a relatively new way of reading Genesis chapter 1. How should we read it then? Well, my view is, and and uh, and, and the, all of those on the program that we talk to, and I, I need to say this up front for all of your listeners, this is not necessarily uh, what... not universally accepted within the church because there are those who want to read it as a scientific kind of explanation but the the question the thing to ask is what's being what what are we told here are, are we being given a kind of an, a historical account of what went on or are we being given a theological explanation for the world that we live in and and the way that genesis chapter 1 to 3 to 3 is written is actually more in the sense of here is here is an explanation of why we have what we have, not necessarily 
how it occurred. Because as soon as we fall into, well, this is the this is the seven twenty four hour a day explanation of history, you end up with all sorts of issues. And I don't think that you need to hold that. But I know, and um, and uh, that there are many people that hold to that view. My view is that you you don't have to, and you can still be a committed to the Bible, committed to what the Bible teaches, uh, believing in the God of the universe, and recognizing that this is how God acted. I'm a huge fan of John Lennox, who's been on Open House as a scientist, mathematician, and a uh, a proponent of Christian faith. How does he fit into the series? Well, we, we spoke to John actually on a couple of levels. What's very interesting, if I could say, as, as a bit of a sideline, he grew up in Northern Ireland. Oh, yes. Delightful. So, so he actually has some stuff to say about yes. you know religious war yeah. and the turmoil of Northern Ireland. But one of the things that, that has, these guys are often asked, and we ask them, is is almost, well, now that with the, with the new atheists and their view is so... Is it okay to be a scientist and a Christian? Do those two things come together or are they mutually exclusive? And this is how John answered that question. And therefore, I often say to people who say, aren't you a bit embarrassed about being a scientist and a Christian? I said, how on earth could I be embarrassed? Christianity arguably gave me my subject. So the, the tensions in people's minds that you mentioned, often they boil down to a massive category mistake in philosophy. I can illustrate that very simply. Mm. When Newton discovered his law of gravitation, he didn't say, wonderful, now I've got a law and I can see how it works. I don't need God. No, what he did was write the Principia Mathematica, one of the most famous books, in fact, the most famous book in the history of science, hoping, as he expressed it in the flyleaf, that this book would persuade a thinking person to believe in God. Because Newton didn't make the mistake of confusing law and mechanism on the one hand with agency on the other. And when I go into schools, I find the kids can understand this where professors can't. Mm. It's a very odd thing that if I said to you, look, here's a Ford motor car, let's say a galaxy, I'm going to give you two sets of explanations for it. Firstly, Uh, the law of internal combustion and mechanical engineering. Secondly, Henry Ford, please choose between the two. (laughs) Isn't that a beautiful piece? (laughs) And actually, later in the the, the program, we're going to actually hear from another guy who actually, uh, John Polkinghorne, who gives us another analogy, which is a bit similar. But what I like about Lennox as well is he's thought a lot about the concept of faith and what it is to believe. I mean, the series is called Towards Belief. And, you know, there's a lot of people, and uh, as, as you're about to hear, that kind of talk about faith as sort of believing where there's no evidence or believing uh, in spite of the fact that there's evidence against it. And, and so John Lennox talks about what it is to have faith and what the, what the word faith actually means. I mean, I hear it all the time. And what has happened is the word faith in English comes from the Latin fides, trust, loyalty. And every one of us knows that for trust and loyalty to be worthwhile, they must be based on evidence. We learned that through the banking crisis, if nowhere else. You see, when people thought yes. they could trust the bankers, but then there wasn't the evidence, so the market froze. I find that a wonderful paradigm case. Now, when it comes to faith in the Christian sense, Dawkins and co. define faith as believing where there's no evidence, even worse as believing where you know there isn't any evidence. That's blind faith. And of course it's dangerous, and I agree with Dawkins it's dangerous. But biblical faith is the exact opposite of that. 
That's very easy to demonstrate. The Gospel of John ends with the statement of its purpose. Many other things Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written in order that you might believe that Jesus is uh, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. In other words, John says, look, I've selected this material. This forms the basis in order that you might believe. So belief here is central in the OED definition of, of faith. That is trusting where there's evidence. It's John Lennox, which is why I'm such a big fan. You hear it. Yeah. A very important part of this series. Yes, absolutely. And and um, speaks clearly and from deep experience and wide and broad knowledge, which is, which is a, a really fantastic thing to have. Okay. Yep, for this challenge, Bruno's called in from uh, Princess Forest with a question. Hi, Bruno. Oh, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, fine, thanks. Far away. Okay, um, I'm really enjoying your, your discussion here. Thank you. I've been looking into the whole, uh, the science and faith and the whole uh, six-day creation versus evolutionary creation. Yeah. And the, um, the thing I struggle with, the evolutionary creation, I see all the evidence for it, the thing that I struggle most with is uh, when Paul in Romans 5 talks about the first Adam mm. and comparing, you know, the relationship of Jesus being the last Adam. So how do, I guess I'd just after your comment on how do you fit that in within the evolutionary framework? Look, it's a good question, Bruno, and it's the whole question of if Jesus or the New Testament mentions Adam personally, individually, as an actual kind of individual, because that's what it sounds like, then he must have existed in history. Now, I don't think you actually have to hold to a person existing in history in the sense that he represents what happened rather than he was an actual person. But Bruno, I, I, I'm with you. It's it's not that, okay, if you, if you take this line, then like all your problems are solved and it's a nice, easy issue. It's there's, it's never an easy issue. And I can understand how people struggle with it. Bruno, thanks very much for your call. Carl, I'd like to look at what science actually is and what it does as opposed to faith. What, what would you say kind of like the task that science has as opposed to the task of faith. It's intriguing, isn't it? It's a, it's a good question, Lee. And I, I actually think this was one of the things that I gained in listening to all of these interviews, and especially with John Polkinghorne and Ard Louie. And both of them talked about, you know, science Science does one thing, and it, it, it sort of asks what's going on. And it uses all the skills of science, scientific endeavor to ask, so what's going on? It doesn't ask what the meaning it is, what, what its meaning is. It doesn't ask, as it were, a prior question of why this might have happened. It's, it, that's not w- within its scope, as it were. Yes. And John Polkinghorne, who uh, taught taught uh, science physics in, in uh, Cambridge University for 25 years, then trained as an Anglican minister, and then came back to Cambridge to Queen's College as, as the kind of headed it up as, uh, as a minister brilliant guy. He's, he's also knighted, so he is a remarkable person. But he does this really lovely piece where he actually looks at the fact that science and faith are actually asking different questions. And what we need in life is not either or, but we need both. But it depends on what you mean by being scientific. If you mean it has exactly the same techniques and is asking exactly the same questions of science, of course it isn't. It's a, it's a different form of inquiry into reality. Science has purchased its great success essentially 
by the modesty of its ambition, it only seeks to ask and answer one fundamental question about the world. How do things happen? What's the process of the world? Uh, Ritson is concerned with answering another sort of questions, the why questions, if you like. Is there something going on in what is happening? Is there meaning and value and purpose in the world? And science, when it's true to itself, has bracketed it out. And you need both insights to understand what's going on. My favourite example is the homely one, natural to an Englishman, of the kettle boiling in, in, in the kitchen. I put on my scientific hat, and I say the kettle's boiling because burning gas heats the water, etc., etc. I take it off, I say, I want to make a cup of tea. Would you like to have one? <laughs> I don't have to choose between those two answers. They're both true. And, uh, in fact, if I'm to understand the mysterious event of the boiling kettle, I need both answers. I think I need both the insights of science and the insights of religion. Isn't that just yeah. fabulous? I need, I need both. I need the insights <laughs> of science and the insights of religion. He, he does this other lovely piece. He's such a wonderfully understated man where he actually talks about the fact that he says, yeah, Richard Dawkins calls people like me clothheads. And he said this lovely <laughs> thing where he looks at the camera and he says, you know, I may not be brilliant, but I'm a little better than that. You know, so, and, and he basically kind of makes the point, as each of these guys do within the episode, which, which I'm deeply indebted to them because I'm, I'm never going to get to that point in scientific knowledge. But here they are recognizing that th- their, their way of, of their science actually comes from the fact that God stands behind it and is w- within it, as it were. And that gives them the confidence to do science. Here's one issue that's distinct in these two arenas of science and faith, human morality and the origins of human morality. Well, that, and that is, it seems like a philosophical question, but yeah. both, Ard Louis especially made a, a very significant point about this, Lee, where he said, look, if, if you believe completely in evolution, that there's no God behind evolution and we're just a complete accident of history and time, like of time and accident, what is the explanation for morality? And as Ard Louis and, and a couple of them have said, you know, the the you know the things you talked earlier with Tim Costello about, you know, that we are appalled that all those children are dying every day for no good reason other than they don't get the help that they need. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? Yep. And and the other thing is, if you go across the cultures of the world, even in different parts of of the world, in different communities, in different cultures, by and large, they have the same standard of morality there's not too many cultures in the world that are okay with sacrificing children you know they or abusing children they don't it's it's a case of well where does that morality come from and if you take god out of the picture and you're only left with science and an accident of time and fate then there's no very good reason why we are moral at all it's a huge question so what would they say about the value of people in the created order as in the scientists would say or the well is, that's an interesting question because I think most of them, are, if, if I can not be too harsh, a little dishonest on their view. There's a, an Australian ethicist and philosopher, I guess, Peter Singer. And Peter Singer is a very controversial guy because he actually makes a number of statements with pe- which people find uh, very offensive, really, where, where he talks about you know the death of a child and the death of an animal really exist at the same level, and uh, you know we should we sh- why why are humans treated differently than anybody else? Well, if you take God out of the question, that's where you're left, because. Again, if I go back to Tim Costello, I listened to as I was coming in. What did Tim say? He said the dignity of pe- people because they because they were created by God. That's what gives people dignity. If you take God out of the question, all you've got is that we're slightly further up the evolutionary ladder than everybody else, and so therefore, 
you know, if I could be a little kind of crass on your show, as singer would would say, therefore the having uh, sexual relationships between uh, uh, a human and an animal, what's wrong with that? Because they sit in the same evolutionary process. He also says, even though he tends to avoid this, but as I've seen him quoted, you know, if you can justify abortion of a child before birth, what's wrong with it afterwards? Now, that, that's, we just say that's abhorrent. But, but because, why do we say that? That's yes. right, because we haven't thought through the logic of our position. Yep. And so if you, take, if you take a creative God out of the picture who gives humanity dignity, all you're left with is... Uh, we're just a little luckier than everybody else. I'm thoroughly enjoying this series of Towards Belief. I'm sure so many people are. Next week, Carl, we take on perhaps the most challenging issue, I think, for Christian faith today in the public square, entirely understandably, that is of both church abuse and the whole question of suffering. Oh, like both of these are huge issues. And and I think this is what the research has given us in this week. We, I don't think most apologetic series don't actually, or series that look at reasons for faith, don't look at abuse. I agree. Mainly because they miss... What what the what the issue in the community is, and uh, the other the other thing we'd like to do next week, uh, Lee, is tell people about coming to the launch because uh, we're going to have a, we're going to do a launch in a few weeks' time. This series is almost out. We're we're getting very close, so we'll tell people about a launch and how you can come and be a part of our launch, which will be a lot of fun. Going to be quite an event because this is quite a um, an issue and a significant contribution. Carl Fays, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. See you then. Across Australia, this is Open House. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.